Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. To be surrounded by beautiful people who are on a spiritual path. I'm very happy to be here. I'm going to start off by singing a prayer occasion of blessing. I need lots of blessings. And if you know the prayer, please sing with me. Om Magyantam Randasya Urmilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha Shri Shaitanya Manobistam Stibitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Swapadanti Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Garun Vaishnavam Shri Rupam Sagajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Tam Sajivam Utam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Shaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sagana Lali Shri Vishakan Vitam Scha He Krishna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namsute, Tapta Kanchana Gorangi, Rade Vindavaneshwari, Rishabhanu Sudevi, Pranamami Hari Priye, Patruvyascha, Kripa Sindhu Veva, Patitanam Pavaneo, Vaishnavabio Namo Namo. Shri Krishna Shaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasadi Gauravinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Namaste Saraswati Devi Goravani Bracharane Yavasha Sunyavadi Pashata Deshatarane Haribo So uh, I want to start off by asking permission Although I have an old body, I'm not so senior in terms of uh, this path of devotion, and there are those in, in the old senior than me, so I humbly ask their permission to speak and ask for their blessing. So today's uh, talk is going to be a little schizophrenic. We're going to talk about humility and health. Um, humility is such an important topic, and humility is something which is undervalued, particularly here in the West. Have any of you seen that, um, the, the movie about Captain Humble? Have you, you know why? There is none. <laughs> Nobody values humility. There's no, you know, you know uh, 
there's no uh, three-part mini-series on Netflix about Peter the Humble. It doesn't exist, you know? Uh, people don't care about it. People, you know, don't value it at all. So, but, but humility is so mm, instrumental. It's foundational to spiritual life. I'm going to read a few quotes for you from, the, from our um, Shastra, from our literature. This is from the Shaitanya Sharitamrita. We have a small group of guys. We do... Ekabir, my big brother, is here. He's part of that group. We, we read the Shaitanya Sharitamrita every Tuesday night. And we recently came across this quote from Srila Prabhupada. This is um, in reference to this was a, a pastime where Lord Shaitanya was speaking to um, a group of um, spiritualists who were, we call them impersonalists. They had another view of how to relate to God. And uh, he, was, he impressed them just with his humility. He actually opened their heart just with his humility. And in describing this um, pastime, Srila Prabhupada wrote, the complete path of bhakti yoga is based upon the process of becoming humble and submissive. Earlier in the Shaitanya Charitamrita, when uh, this is in the first chapter, which is what we're going through now, it's a chapter entitled The Spiritual Masters. And once again, Srila Prabhupada says that Krishna's existence can be realized by one who has the single qualification of submissiveness. There's, a, um, there's also one of my favorite quotes from the Shaitanya Bhagavad, where uh, Mahaprabhu once again says, to those who I particularly favor, I bless them with the boon of humility. Yeah. So, once again, this is foundational to the path of bhakti. Actually, humility is the fertile soil. We all have a seed of bhakti in our heart, a seed of love within our heart, yes? And humility is the fertile soil from which this seed can grow and prosper in, in a luxurious way. So, let's define what humility is, because it's really understood. People confuse humility with all types of other, um, all types of other um, things. So... Uh, I'm going to define humility and then define something which is kind of like the opposite of humility and see how these two concepts can be merged. So the first thing to remember is about humility is it's just a recognition of your real position. It's, it's just you know a sober recognition of the reality. And that reality is we are infinitesimal. Everybody say that. We are infinitesimal. Okay, now what do we mean by that? I came across a study recently where, where um, these scientists developed an, uh, a mathematical model to count how many ants there are in the world on the planet Earth. And they came up with a number, it's a very elegant mathematical model, and they came up with a number of 20 quadrillion ants. Ants, A-N-T-S. 20 quadrillion ants on the planet Earth. 20 quadrillion ants is 200,000 trillion ants. <laughs> That's how many ants there are on the planet. What to speak of how many living entities there are on the planet Earth? It's an inconceivable number, an incalculable number. You know what I mean? So there's an incalculable number of, of living entities on the planet Earth. We live in one planet. We all live on one planet in one solar system. There are many solar systems in one galaxy. There are many galaxies in one universe, and there are multiple universes. So we are infinitesimal, yes? 
when you look at this from a cosmic point of view. Okay? The other thing to consider is that, is that um, being infinitesimal, we are limited in terms of our, our power. There's a neurologist here. She's not here to Kishore Irada. I'll give her a shout out. Because, um, because it's like we have a will. We have desires. But to execute those desires, we need help. We are, for instance, I want to get up right now and walk across the room. Actually, I want to get up and walk and get some prasadam. Okay. <laughs> so I have this desire to go eat. But to, to realize that desire, some impulses have to travel down my spinal cord and to my muscles, and then that causes me to get up. There's a, there's a process from the will to the realization of the will. Well, this is, this is just an example of, or a, an analogy of a spiritual principle. We have a will, but to realize our, 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 to realize our goals, we require help. We require, actually, Krishna's help. You know, I want to drive from here to um, Chicago tomorrow. I make plans. I have a will. I have plans. However, there's a million things that could go wrong. You know, the, the, the traffic could be horrible. I could be in an accident. I could trip and fall tomorrow. You know, there's a, a million different things that, that are out of our control completely. And they're in the control of Krishna. He's all-powerful. You've heard the expression, um, man proposes, God disposes, yes? So we are infinitesimal and we are dependent on Krishna. So this is the part where we have a lot to be humble about, yes? Okay. Now, on the other hand, so this is one thing. On the other hand, we are uniquely and singularly significant in every one of us. Now, why is that so? We have something. <laughs> you raised your hand. Go ahead. Why is that so? There's the class. I'm ready to go. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll go get that prasadam now. No, no. <laughs> That's, of course, everything you said is completely true. But every living entity is significant. Every single living entity is significant. And why is that? Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah, so he said, should he just speak louder or should I? Okay. So he said that um, we, we're all singularly unique and valuable because we're essentially we're valued by Krishna. We're part and parcel of Krishna. And Krishna loves us. We have this, each and every living entity has a treasure within them, this wonderful treasure. This treasure is love for Krishna. Even more specifically, each and every living entity has within them some, some degree, some particle of love for Krishna from Radharani, or of Radharani. This is part of our essence. This is our, our actual soul, that we have a unique combination of qualities of Radharani in minute proportion that are so valuable that even though Krishna, who's the summum bonum, is, he is attracted to these qualities in our heart. Just think of the glory of Radharani, that even little particles of love of Radharani, which are unique, you know, like snowflakes are each, 
Each individual, each individual snowflake is unique in its shape and character. Similarly, each of us have a unique individual shape and character of this particle of love of Radharani for Krishna in our heart. And Krishna is so, even though he's the Samambonam, he is attracted to this. He is drawn to this. And he accompanies us through every lifetime trying to get us to a position where we can express this love, where this love can be excavated, where he can taste this love, where we, where we can experience the happiness from expressing this love. He accompanies us through each and every lifetime for that purpose. So this is wonderful. So on the one hand, we have, you know, we are infinitesimal and limited and dependent. On the other hand, Krishna loves us to such an amazing degree, such a profound degree that's, inc that's equally inconceivable to our, to our infinitesimal status. It's equally inconceivable that he would accompany every living entity to help them, to nurture them, to excavate and unfold their full loving potential. Inconceivable. So when we integrate these two concepts together, when we allow these two concepts to dance in our consciousness, in our mind, we are moved to the point where we naturally express gratitude and are motivated to reciprocate, to reciprocate with Krishna. And how do we reciprocate with Krishna? We reciprocate with Krishna through trying to please him. And what pleases him is through serving him. What pleases him is through serving those that he loves. He loves us to serve his servants more than he loves us to serve him personally. So, so um, serving his servants, serving those he loves is what pleases him. And who does Krishna love? We just said he loves everybody. I'll get back to you. He loves everybody. So being a servant of humanity with a consciousness of this is pleasing to Krishna and how can I help them, you know, how can I help people be happy, which ultimately means uncovering their spiritual identity, this is what pleases Krishna. So you can see humility is just, humility is just this recognition of opposition, but it also gives us a platform from which we can appreciate what we've been given and the opportunity that we've been afforded. So it's wonderful. Okay, so I wanna ask a couple of questions really quickly. So how does this humility uh, play out practically? Uh, okay, you're at work and someone is criticizing you. They're going to your boss and saying mean things about you and it's impacting your opportunity for advancement and your working relationships with your fellow uh, co-workers. What's the humble thing to do? How, do, how does this hum humility play out? What do we do? Someone, not you. <laughs> Someone else raised their hand and answered that question. Anyone? But speak loudly because we might have enough phone. Okay, first you and then you. Thank you. 
Very nice. Okay, Prabhu. Very nice. Very nice. And you. Yeah, it's always nice to find out. Did I offend you? Did uh, is there validity to the faults that you find, and how can I show that I've rectified them? to you so that you're more comfortable working with me. Okay, these are all really good answers and I'm grateful for your participation. Thank you very much. I'm going to give one pastime really quickly to help demonstrate this principle and that is the pastime of Narada had a, had a Narada Muni had a, a disciple who was a cobra, a poisonous snake. Many of you know this already. And so he, you know, preached the cobra. The cobra accepted him as his, as his guru. And Narada left, and the cobra was very peaceful. When the children in the village found out that this cobra was now a devotee and was peaceful, they took advantage of the situation. They started throwing stones at him and chasing him with sticks and just harassing him. When Narada, Narada Muni came back, he came to check on his disciple. The disciple, the, the snake complained, the cobra complained. These children, they're making my life miserable, Guru. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and so he said, I told you, you know, to be peaceful and not to bite people, but I didn't tell you not to raise your hood. And so, and so the children came back, and the cobra stood up and raised his hood and looked menacing. And the children said, oh, they ran away, and they never bothered him again. So the point is, is that humility, now the consciousness of the cobra hadn't changed. He was still humble, and he was still seeing himself as a servant of these children. So the consciousness was the same, but the actions were according to what the service indicated. You understand? The, the platform for his actions was the same in terms of his consciousness, but the service demanded that he act in a certain way, and he, did, he acted according to what the service demanded. Hanuman, who's more humble than Hanuman, right? A humble servant of Lord Ram. He burned down Lanka, right? Because that's what the service required. His mentality didn't change. His consciousness didn't change. He was doing a service. And as part of doing that service, it meant acting decisively. Arjuna is, is humble. He fought on the battlefield, right? So humbleness is a, humbleness is a consciousness of seeing yourself as dependent on the Lord, seeing yourself as a servant of the servant of the Lord, but at the same time, you're executing your service from that platform. And that may mean chastising someone or, you know, not, of course, allowing people to abuse others in your environment, not allowing, not accepting abuse for yourself, because this is, you're serving those in your environment. You're a servant of the servant of the servant. So that's humility. Did you have a question, Prabhu? Thank you for touching on this subject. Uh, it's very prevalent these days, not only in a family, but also in society and especially close friends. Uh, as we have been taught right from very beginning that uh, be humble, be respectful, especially to the elder. And, um, but um, having experienced this thing in this society, American society, where the respect is not that prevalent. Um, well, 
most of us really observe the respect uh, to our elders and to friends and all that. And sometimes the people take it as a vulnerability, a weakness. And they think that uh, you're being so respectful, so polite, so humble. That means you're weak. And they take advantage of that. So this is the kind of dilemma we all face, especially I have faced it, especially after I retired. And uh, so <laughs> my, my own solution has been just to move away from that instead of taking a revenge or coming back to them. But it stays with you, a kind of sour grapes in mouth that uh, kind of creates the anguish, anxiety, how best to uh, you know, treat them and stay friend with them while not annoying them by you know, offensive or equal thing, just like Gandhi said, you, somebody slapped on your one cheek, turn the other cheek. Well, that doesn't apply these days. So, as you mentioned about the cobra and Narad Muni, that's a good example. But then, extending to that, the using the practicality in the society what we are living in, and showing the humility and courtesy is sign of a weakness. So how do you treat that? How do you take it? Thank you. Well, that's a really good question. Thank you, Prabhu, participation. So, you know, there's, this is, this is um, a verse from the Bible. It says, do not give pearls to swine. Um, but so what it means is that um, if, you're, <laughs> if you're in a jungle, you know, and you're surrounded by wild animals, if you come across a tiger, you don't lay down and pay, you know, pay obeisances to a tiger because he'll bite your head off while you're laying down. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to act according. I mean, the consciousness, once again, it's all about the consciousness. The consciousness is the same, but in terms of how you interact with those in your environment, it's in terms of time, place, and circumstance, always in a mood of trying to offer service offer service, sometimes the service may require you to withdraw yourself. That may be the only way you can stop from offenses from occurring, because you're concerned about the other, you're serving them. So when they, when they offend or do something offensive, then this is really horrible for their spiritual creeper, right? This is horrible for their spiritual life. So, you know, just keep that same consciousness and then the Lord in the heart and others will help you to decide, you know, what's the best way to serve in that situation. I have one more thing I want to say about humility, and then I'm going to, I have to move on really quickly to a few health issues, a few health questions. And that's, okay, that's, we talked about humility in terms of when you're being attacked. What about humility when you're being praised? When people are praising you for, you know, service, for your intelligence, for your great works. How do you, how do you handle that? And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and that. And that is... I mean, we, we have this wonderful example of, of Srila Prabhupada, right? When he was on the Jaladuta and he was about to embark on this amazing mission which changed all our lives, he wrote a letter about saying that, you know, I'm, uh, you know make, I'm your puppet, make me dance, right? So <laughs> this, is, this is our mentality that, that when people are praising us, you know, we may accept you know, because we appreciate people who are, their intent to be um, appreciative of whatever else is going on, so we may accept that, but in our minds and our consciousness, 
we are passing that praise on to the puppet master. Right? Who's the, Krishna is the puppet master. The, you know, we're passing this praise on to Krishna Guru. Because we recognize, once again, the humble state of mind is that it's Krishna that's pulling the strings. It's Krishna that, that's making all this possible. Krishna can use an ant to move a mountain. Krishna can use a fool and, and use a fool and through a fool say the most profound things that change people's lives. I'm an example. <laughs> Not that this is profound, but Krishna, I'm, you know, who am I? So, so we, you know, you can accept. That's nice. You know, we appreciate people offering, you know, appreciation. Negate that. We appreciate that. But at the same time, the consciousness is that I'm just a puppet and everything is being done by the will, by the kind mercy of the Lord, by, by the influence of those, of his agents who have helped me along this path, his agents like Guru and so forth and so on. Is that clear? Okay. Wonderful. I still have five minutes, right? <laughs> Thank you for your patience. So I, I'm going to ask a few health questions now. Okay. So, by the way, humility, humility is, 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 a, is, is an aspect of health in the sense that it causes stress reduction. It, it, it accommodates, it affords stress reduction. People who are humble are less easily agitated, right? Because they're not looking for adoration. They're not looking for distinction. They're not looking for acclaim. They're, they're giving everything to Krishna in those regards. So, they're not, so people who are, are proud take offense easily and it's, uh, people who are proud give offense easily Radha Swami says people who are proud by necessity offend others just by how but because of their consciousness how they move and react in the world they offend others by necessity so there's always some agitation so humble people don't have that experience they're much they don't have that stress and so they're much uh, much more peaceful so this relates to health. So I have a few questions I'm going to ask really quick. Um, okay. And I, there are other, many doctors and health professionals. This, these are just my own perception, and so I apologize to you if you disagree or whatever. We can talk about it later. Okay, I'm going to ask you, what are the, what are the three pillars of health? Are they water, fasting, and exercise? Or diet, yoga, and water? Or... Sleep, diet, and exercise. What would you say? How many say the first? Water, fasting, and exercise. Nobody. How many say the second? Diet, yoga, and water. Water crowd. How many say sleep, diet, and exercise? Amazing. <laughs> I can't pull anything over on you. You are just too smart. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Okay, yes. I wanted to put that question in because sometimes sleep is overlooked as, a, as an important factor in health. Sleep is so important, important to good health. I have another question relating to that in a second. Okay, the next question. You're doing really good so far. The next question is, the factor in your diet that correlates most with longevity, with a long life, is, one, is it calorie consumption? Two, is it fiber intake? Three, is it a low-carbohydrate diet? Okay, how many people say uh, calorie consumption? Okay, we got a few, all right. How many say fiber intake? A few, a few. How many say low-carbohydrate diets? 
Now that's a pretty even split. Okay, so the answer is fiber intake. Yeah. Fiber intake most closely associated is, is most closely correlates with longevity. Yeah, fiber is fiber is really important. Fiber, you know, we, our gut we have more bacteria in our gut than we have cells in our body. And you know what those bacteria eat? What they relish? Fiber. They eat fiber. From the fi <laughs> yeah. It keeps your gut healthy. From the fiber, they produce short-chain fatty acids, which go throughout your body. It even crosses the blood-brain barrier and gets into your brain. It decreases your appetite and increases your metabolic rate. Uh, you, get, you get full quicker. Fiber, has a, fiber uh, decreases your, uh, the rate of insulin resistance, helps you to control your weight, helps you to lose weight. It does an amazing uh, um, um, thing, um, category of things. It's just you want a high-fiber diet. Okay. Bonus question, where do you find fiber? Hmm? Yes, all, all that is true. Fiber is only in plant cell walls. That's it. That's the only place you can find it. So fruit, vegetables, grains, legumes, that's it. It's not in animals. There's no fiber in animals, right? Okay. That's good. I'm sorry? A vegetarian diet, so we're all we all appreciate that. Okay, okay. Another question: Is daylight? This is a true/false question. Is daylight savings time? Is daylight savings time uh, a health hazard? Is that true or false? False. 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 Actually, who said true? Okay. If I had a gold star, I'd have to give you gold stars because it's true. Listen, this is the impact of sleep. This is how profound sleep is important to your health. When you lose an hour's sleep, the next day after daylight savings times, heart attacks go up 24%. You see a similar rise in car accidents and suicide from missing an hour of sleep. And if you think that's just a coincidence, when you go back an hour and you gain an hour, heart attacks go down 22%. Yeah, this is, this is, I'm not making this up. This is data. You can research this. Yes, Prabhu. I think they're, they're going to do away with it. They're talking, let's talk about doing away with it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, yes, Prabhu. Okay, that's a good question. So, so the question was, how many hours do we need for a healthy, uh, for healthy sleep? So uh, do we need five hours? Raise your hand if you think it's five hours. Six hours, okay, we'll have a few six. Seven hours, seven. Eight hours, okay, seven, eight. Nine hours, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised, <laughs> 10 hours. So actually sleeping too much also decreases your life expectancy, more than nine hours, yeah, so 10 hours is not so good. But, 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 but the point is, yes, it's, it's, I mean, studies vary between seven and eight hours. Those studies vary. But the point is, is that sleep duration correlates directly with life expectancy, directly. If, you, if you're getting six hours of sleep or less, you, it's equivalent in terms of an impact on your health of smoking a pack a day. Yeah, that's for real. <laughs> yeah, cause, because... I'm sorry, go ahead. Wouldn't different 
kind of there may be some individuality. I mean, some people may just their six no. hours may be no. seven Listen, hours. They, I mean, okay. for them, you know, their yeah, body type. Sure, They're, everyone has a different circadian rhythm, slightly. But the studies that I've seen show that there are like 0.8 percent of the people in the world who optimally sleep six hours and do well. 0.8.9, less than 1%. So the likelihood that that's you is not so good and that you actually are a little sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can go more into sleep because I like talking. Sleep has an amazing array of benefits. When you sleep, your immune system is re regenerated. So, you don't, you know, in terms of cancer, people that don't get enough, who get sleep six hours or less, have really elevated, uh, have really elevated um, um, rates of colon, breast, uh, prostate can and prostate cancer, and some, another cancer I'm forgetting. You get colds and flu easily. Your memory doesn't work as well. You're more prone to Alzheimer's disease. You get hypertension. You're more prone to diabetes. You're more prone to cardiovascular disease. An array of disorders occurs. So I think I have to stop now. It's ten, but but sleep is really important. Get get the proper amount of rest. Not to mention the effect that it has on you know your skills, such as driving. If you if you if you stay up 19 hours, you start to have cognitive impairment to the point where if you're driving after staying up 19, 20 hours, your cognitive impairment is on the same level with someone who's legally drunk. There's, so, there's 400,000 people that die of car accidents in this, in this country every year. It's not all from, you know, pharmacological impairment or narcotics or whatever. It's, a lot of it is from sleep deprivation. So, so we'll, we can talk about this more. We're having a health fair in the, in the hall, and there are wonderful devotees there, and uh, they want to discuss your health with you and, and give you advice and information. I'm just grateful to be here, and thank you all for your attention and your kind reception. I appreciate it. Thank you. We, we, have, to, we have till 2 o'clock, so we have time for questions or if you want to share oh, some sure. more. So uh, it goes to 2 o'clock, and now we have time for questions. Okay. Mike, you have a question? Give everybody an example of what, what he's talking about. Uh, yesterday, I, w I live out in the country. And I have trees that I've cut down that are dead that we, we, and we're, we're getting to, ready to bring in, cut wood and split it and everything for a wood stove. And I've been working on this for the last three or four days. Each day, my back has hurt more and more. Yesterday, I could hardly walk when I went to bed. I had to just go up, go up and because of my back was, was from hauling those big logs all day long. And I had help, but still, it, after three days, it was hurting. I went to bed last night at around nine o'clock. And I got up this morning around maybe eight, I think it's around eight, or seven or eight. And my back is doing fine today. <laughs> so that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, that's great. We, we're, we have time for questions, so Paula Kapoor will have a question. Um, I just wanted to share one sweet thing about s sleep. Um, St. Teresa uh, of Avila, uh, beautiful Christian mystic, she would fall asleep while she was saying her prayers. And she said, God does, God does his operations on me while I'm asleep. Uh, Isn't that sweet? Uh, yeah.
This is more of a comment than a question, but in the early days of our society, devotees were crisscrossing the country in vans and distributing books, and that police show probably often, but a lot of them were falling asleep at the wheel and dying. So Shil Prabhupada told that, that Sankirtan drivers should sleep 10 hours a day just for safety because they were sleep deprived. Yeah. So yeah. He even recognized that, although he himself, we know how little he slept. Thank you. I just want to uh, re reinforce what you said. Uh, when I was 17 years old, we, I was driving a Sankirtan party in Buffalo, New York. And, uh, it was fortunately, it was in the middle of winter, and there was four foot deep snow on either side of the roads. Uh, but I fell asleep at the wheel driving on a country road um, because of, you know, little sleep following the devotee skill. And um, fortunately, we plowed through snow banks, knocked over a few mailboxes, broke both of the axles on the car. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but nobody was hurt, yeah, fortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, it, uh, it, it has happened, yeah, from sleep deprivation. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says the famous comment, you can't be a yogi if you sleep too much or if you sleep too little, right? Or if you eat too much or if you eat too little, right? Moderation, yeah. Well, we can't always expect Krishna to bail us out, right? I'm doing Krishna service, so I, I shouldn't, I can, you know, I can skip sleep, right? We have to actually be responsible, no? Thank you. I have a question about, we said uh, seven to eight hours general, but is it a better time where you actually want to do those seven, eight hours? Because a lot of people think they can go to bed after midnight, have seven hours or hours and be fine. Does it matter when you go to bed and when, what time you should wake up? Uh, yeah, it does. Um, so we mentioned earlier, if you're really interested in sleep. There's a guy named Matthew Walker. He's out of UC Davis. He wrote a book called, I have a copy here. He's considered one of the gurus of sleep. But we all have, um, we all have a circadian rhythm. And so you want to, you know, your cortisol levels uh, rise and fall according to the sun rising and falling. Your melatonin is excreting to the lack of sunlight. And so you want to sleep in such a way that you are in tune with your own, you're in sync with your own city and rhythm. That gives you the most um, benefit from your sleep. You get the, if you actually do um, eating people who are asleep, uh, they get the most, in terms of their brain waves, you'll see um, a pattern which is, which correlates with greater health, rejuvenation, memory restoration, stress reduction, so forth and so on. So generally, for most people, um, you should by 10 o'clock, something like that. I mean, I, I forget the specific numbers, but you should be earlier. You know, you want to, things that promote sleep are in a cold room, in a dark room. You want to stay on the blue light an hour or so before you go to bed. Um, it should be kind of synchronized with sunlight. So, you know, a few hours after the sun goes down, it's best to, for you to go down also. Is that Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll come to you after this. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Um, so my partner suffers from so my partner suffers from sleep apnea. So they have a lot of difficulty like going to sleep and like getting good quality sleep. So if you were talking to someone who had like a sleep disorder such as like sleep apnea or narcolepsy, what would be some advice that you would give them so they could get better quality sleep for themselves? So 
Sleep apnea is actually a serious condition because, yeah, because what happens is you get, you know, your oxygen level drops when you start breathing. And long term, it causes, it can cause heart problems, hypertension, right heart failure, um, all kinds of issues. So it's something that he should seek um, treatment for. Time for one more question. You have a question? I'll, so let's go here. Sure. Um, in terms of humility, uh, when there's like a, a fire in a building and the, the fireman, he does, he does his duty to help the people get out of the burning house. Um, he goes on the news, like the, the journalists, they come to him and say, well, we want to thank you and give you praise. And he gives his praise. He says, you know, the glory belongs to God and the people who trained me to this service. And I appreciate that. But if the people tell the firemen, it was God and the people who trained you and you don't deserve any credit, how many times will he continue to run into the burning? Well, it's a couple of things. One is that, um, one is that the person who's doing the service is not doing the service for, for praise, hopefully. I mean, this is ideally. He's not doing the service for credit. He's doing the service for the pleasure of, you know, of Krishna and the Vaishnavas and Guru. So if he gets praise, you know, Trinata, Peace, Nietzsche, not. If he gets praise or doesn't get praise, it's you know it's not so important to him. But the second thing is is that is that um, is that we should recognize and appreciate people who allow themselves to be used as instruments of God. We should recognize. We should appreciate. We should we should celebrate them. So even though you know God ultimately is 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 the puppet master, we should offer respects and appreciation to those who allow themselves to be used in this way, who have that will, who have that, we talked about how, you know, Krishna presents himself and can be realized by those who are humble and submissive. So we should recognize and appreciate those who have that humble and submissive quality. That's inspirational and it's glorious. We should glorify them. Last question. Madhava, thank you very much for your talk, and may I make a comment? Sure. In relation to humility, it is said that humility is the mother of all virtues. And you also mentioned gratitude. Gratitude and humility are actually interwound. Uh, when a person sees themselves as the center of their lives, don't have a concept about the cosmos or a creator, it's just natural, like any living creature, to focus their energy on themselves and act in a way that that occurs. But the moment that a person, which being a person also is a great uh, blessing because you have the opportunity to have these thoughts, the moment the person realizes that I am not the center, that there is a creator, and in the context of that thought and of that realization, you shift from yourself not being the center to something greater than ourselves being the truth of our lives. For me, every day, multiple times a day, I am using the words in my head, humility and gratitude. And when we put our, ourselves in the space of living in that way, 
I'm everything I see, the relationships I have, I'm grateful because if you're grateful, you're grateful for something outside of yourself, which is God. And if you're connecting gratitude to that, then how could you not be humble? So it's this practice of A, I'm not the center, and B, what does that mean, and how do I act accordingly? And your talk and the practice of bhakti yoga in the community, that is the center. So putting ourselves then in the association of people who are thinking that way, it only continues to feed us in that manner. And everything in our spiritual life, you know, virtue is the mother, uh, humility is the virtue, uh, mother of all vir virtues, your whole spiritual practice really can be, uh, can grow from that, as you said, in the fertile ground. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank yeah. you very much. I really appreciate that. Albert, can I make one quick comment? Yes. Give me something. That was really beautiful. But it reminds me that um, we said humility was the foundation of spiritual life. Actually, when you read the Shishastakam, the, the prayers of Mahaprabhu, as humility deepens, as it becomes more profound, it, um, the, the deepening of humility is a sign of progression along the path of bhakti in terms of your, your, your level of realization. We read that our, our great saints, that they express profoundly humble things. I am a, I am a rock. I am, um, my, heart, my heart is as hard as a, as a stone and, and as cruel as a thunderbolt. They are expressing profoundly humble things. But, it, it gets to, but, but, but they're experiencing an ecstasy. There's actually, there's actually um, an ecstasy of humility. That they're... they're Recognition of humility is so profound. Their gratitude is so great that their, their appreciation of Krishna's mercy is so extraordinary that they're actually experiencing an S, you know. When you read the Shashastika, it says the humility deepened, and then he spread the sentiment. The humility deepens even more, the even higher sentiment, a, a higher expression of love. So th uh, this is a little esoteric. But just to say that humility is the foundation for spiritual life and that cultivating it and deepening it are essential to our growth. Thank you. Wow. Do we need Madhvacharya Prabhu to come back again? I'll be knocking on your door. Okay, two quick announcements before you go for lunch and then go visit and appreciate uh, the health fair. Um, uh, thank, uh, uh, we want to thank the sponsor Jai Bhagawan and Dan Patti Devi. They're sponsoring in honor of the memorial of their sister. So if everybody, everybody can turn to the Lords and say the Maha Mantra three times. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. My second announcement is that there is this wonderful t-shirt done by the teenagers for the TAG program. Honor the space between no longer and not yet. Teenagers growing, and even for us, we're often in transition. Honoring the space no longer 
and not yet. So they have made some extra T-shirts. We have they have smalls. This is a small, I think, a um, uh, large. If you want to buy one for a gift um, and support the teenage program here, if you want to buy one for yourself, see me. Have a wonderful week in Krishna Bhakti. Have a wonderful week remembering Krishna. Next Sunday, next Monday, next Sunday we have Save a Sunday for Diwali. What do you want? <laughs> it's his birthday next week, I think, right? Who told me it's his birthday coming up? He's only going to be turning 25. He, he's, actually, he's actually turning 80, can you imagine? He's turning 80. Happy birthday. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Next Sunday, Save a Sunday in honor of Diwali, which is next Monday, and Tuesday, Govardhan Puja. So please try to be with us. Let's be together. 